From San Antonio, Texas to Washington, D.C. You're listening to On Wax the Podcast. I'm LJ. And this is Jay Hen. You can listen to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you haven't already, follow at On Wax the Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Make sure you listen to the podcast weekly. Because you don't want to miss who we put on wax. Wax, wax, wax. And again, keep in mind that me and LJ are like 12. One, either you made it, or two, you're fucked. I'm not doing it on Sunday. I'm sorry. Chapole. I'm going to exaggerate the fuck out of this. So we had one coach who had a permanent heart on all the time. <laughs> yeah, this shit's kind of annoying Yee! though, but yeah. I'm buying your ass a thong. Who would win right now, you or 55-year-old Jackie Chan? I'm about to throw the fuck up. He wants that little dick. Say it's the biggest fight of the year. They may be the best team in the NBA. Fun facts for you about dating. I think different women like different things. Not told anybody about this story in my life. On wax. Cinderella, go find you a fella. Feel like making love. Here he is. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, man. How you doing? What's up? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? Really good. A lot better now. A lot better now. <laughs> we, we've been excited to get you on. Well, man, it's my pleasure. Let's see if I can get a little bit more volume here. Yeah, you sound you sound great on my end, so I appreciate it. So I was watching a couple interviews because I didn't want to ask some of the same questions that you've already you know heard a hundred times. And listening to a couple of these interviews, I actually learned a lot more about you. Jumping right into jumping right into the Blood In Blood Out film, you didn't even want to be a part of the film initially. <laughs> that is true. That wow. Is yeah. Did you hear the whole story? Uh, yeah, I, I heard it, but if, yeah. if you could give me some, some details, I'd appreciate it. Well, you know, I mean, believe it or not, I, um, I've i been like um, an advocate for a long time for, you know, La Raza and the image of the people and, and uh, the way we're portrayed in the media and so forth and so on. And, um, you know, when I first got the material to, uh, and I had played those parts, you know, the bad guys and the thing and the drug cartel guys and I was a little tired of that you know and I was in my own career I wanted to like you know do like positive representations you know of our people our culture and stuff right and then when I got the script and they said you have to audition for this because it's a big director it's a big film and I read it the first scene is like and then he rapes a guy <laughs> I'm like oh I don't think so you know and uh, I just uh, I didn't go any further I just said no I don't want that, I, you know, and I, and I told my people, I, I sorry, I passed, and they're like, you can't pass, man, that's a big director and everything, and I'm like, no, just don't want to do it, so they left it alone, 
Then they called me back a few months later and they said, you know, that part is still not cast and they would really like to see you and you should go and at least meet Taylor Hackford because he's a real big time director. Right. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll make you guys happy. I'll go. And I, and I did. I went to the interview and I didn't prepare, which is very unprofessional. Absolutely. <laughs> and then I got there, you know, and Taylor was there, nicest man. And, and he had uh, Miklo there as well. And they said, hey, man, let's let's just start reading some stuff, you know? And we read the first scene, and they were like, whoa, that's cool. Let's read the next scene. And, you know, by the time it was over, we'd gone through the whole script, read every single scene with Miklo and Popeye. And then I went home, and then I was a little embarrassed because I was like, wow, they were so nice to me, and I was just, you know, being so arrogant and stuff. Right. I got a phone call right away, you know, and um, my agent said, Taylor Hackford wants to know if you straighten your hair. Because I had hair then. I was like, an afro. Right. And I said, why? Said, you know, because he wants to offer you this role, you know? And, like, and I was like, whoa, you know? And by then I had reconsidered the whole thing. So, yeah, went ahead and did it. And who knew? You know, here well, we are. Well, speaking of that, did, later, did you know that it was going to be nearly as big? Right. Because I don't know if you that story that when it first came out, it, it failed. You right. know, it did really badly. It made no money at the theaters. There was a lot of reasons why that happened. But bottom line is, is that the initial theatrical release did not do well at all. And then they pulled it. And um, that was the end of it. We all thought, oh, that's too bad. Because while we were shooting it, we were going, wow, this is a huge movie. This is an epic film. And there were so many good parts. And at the time, most of the actors weren't really known, you it, know. Yeah, we're going to so talk about the cast, yeah. Like, wow. Yeah, tremendous cast. And so there was a feeling that this was going to be one of those movies that launches a whole bunch of careers, you know, like, like Godfather or platoon those kind of movies absolutely like a bunch of people uh, you know, and, and we were kind of expecting and hoping for that and then it didn't happen right you know and so the whole phenomenon movie didn't really start until like, like six months later when it was released on video and it's really on video that it's become this like fan favorite this cult movie this thing that won't go away right <laughs> And another thing that I, I noticed is it came out right when American Me came out, and you said that American Me kind of slid in and took lead and dropped it first, right? And that was a big impact? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, a whole bunch of stuff combined to make the movie not do well. American Me was one because the two movies were really neck and neck shooting right. at the same time. Um, and then American Me finished and they did their post-production really fast and, and they got released they hit the theaters meanwhile Taylor the director of Blood In is a real perfectionist you know and he kept tweaking it and everything plus he shot so much footage I mean the script was huge it was a telephone book right and he shot all of it so his first cut was 4 hours and 45 minutes long you know, wow. You can't have a movie right. that's four hours long. 
So then that set up a whole dynamic between him and the studio because the studio was like, no, we want a two-hour movie. And he's like, no, 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 this is too big. It's, it's got to be three. So then they kept cutting two hours and testing it, and then they would cut three hours and test it, and this went back and forth for almost a year. And then in that year, American Me came out, reviews came out, whatever, whatever, and then when they were finally ready to release it, the L.A. riots happened. Yeah. And the whole city was blamed in fire, stuff like that. And, and the studio got really, like, nervous because, you know, because of the subject matter. And they were like, well, we don't want to restart the L.A. riots. Right. So then they held it back. And, you know, by the time we finally released it, um, Terminator 2 had opened, but all this stuff was going on. And the movie just didn't do what sank. And I know but you that mentioned that scene, that rape scene in the movie. I'm guessing as well, you had no idea that that... Literally, I had posted what's your favorite quote in the movie, and that got at least 75% of the votes. 75, 75% of the submissions, give me some chun-chun, give me some chun-chun. Did you, like, reading that, I guarantee you didn't realize that that was going to be, you know, talked about... What, how long has it been? 30 years? 92, I think. Right, almost 28 years? Yeah. And that is, it's yeah. just still living. Yeah, yeah. It's still around, man, because what, the thing that I've experienced now is that it, now it really is like um, a Latino cultural thing, you know? I right. mean, and it's like, it's handed down. I mean, it literally is handed down. I, I mean, people, well, I mean, people your age, you probably weren't even born. <laughs> I was born in 90, yeah, I was. And, and I, in, in what, 90, 92, 93? 87. I'm giving yeah, my age. Older, I, 87. I have white no, hairs in here. Okay. Oh, yeah? Well, I have no hair. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm right I'm, so, uh, I'm right behind you. Know. I'm right behind you for sure. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know. But it, it's funny. Yeah, it's funny that it's become like this generational thing, you know. Yeah. Kids tell me, like, yeah, I watch your parents. You know, or like that it's a family thing. Right. Or, or I hear from, from I got a, a, a really surprising fan letter one time from a guy, a gringo guy in Nebraska. And he was writing to me to tell me that him and his fraternity guys have this thing where they watch the movie every year for Day of the Dead. And they do shots. And uh, they, they, they assign roles they all have a character that they they play they dress up like when they watch the movie uh -huh. and the guy's writing to me and say i do popeye so he wanted me to do an autograph for him because you know he was doing popeye and i'm thinking what the hell man like th these are like fr fraternity guys in nebraska someplace right and they're into this they're into this movie man. so it's it's really it's fascinating i've run into people all over the world literally all over the world that have come up to me and said, give me some chum Yep, yep. It's funny you say that too yep. because my co-host, he lives in Washington, D.C. And we've known each other since the second grade. And I had asked him, I said, have you seen Blood In, Blood Out? He said, I've never seen it. I literally sent him packing on the flight to Washington, D.C. with my only copy of Blood In, Blood Out. I was like, you have to watch this. This is a must-watch movie. So he actually has the DVD right now in Washington, D.C., it, it's a must-watch movie for sure. Okay. 
I don't know if you know this, but I mean, you probably do know this. Uh, Jesse Borrego is from San Antonio. So I got to meet him a couple yeah, times. Yeah, yeah he, he's a good guy, too. He does a lot for the community. Yeah. Um, good guy as well. I actually got this. This here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. I uh, I did a, a meet and greet with Jesse. Um, oh yeah. A couple of years ago, you know. Yeah, because he reached out to me, and um, you know, because he's been doing the meet and greets for for quite a while now. Some of the other fellows have as well, and I just kind of really never got into it, um, except now that I decided to do it. Right. Uh, pandemic. <laughs> you're you're right. Yeah. But Jesse reached out to me. Yeah, no, actually, I had started to do uh, the meet and greets um, last year. I got a call from a promoter in Texas. In hey, fact, there you go. And he said, hey, man, I'm down here from, he was in Texas, and he, and he called me, and he said, um, I'm here with uh, with Miklo, you know, and, and we're doing uh, a, a whole tour, and we're all over Texas, you know, yep. And he said, uh, and, and we'd like to, we'd like to have you join, man. It's like that Nico and Popeye together, and it would be great. And I'm like, well, I don't know. So we talked about it, and I said, well, why don't I come down and do one? So they flew me down to Lubbock, okay, Lubbock, Texas, and they were doing a thing there, and uh, at like a, a music concert or something. And uh, you know, I, I, I signed autographs, and did the whole thing there. You know, with Nico, we did a couple hours. It's a great time. I had fun. And the guy said, hey, do you want to do more of these? I mean, it's like, you know, and I'm like, sure, man, why not? So we did a second one in Sacramento. And then the guy's like, okay, uh, 2020, because this was like in February. And he's like, this is going to be a great year, man. Right. I, got, I got these things lined up all year. We're going to do some big concerts. That's going to be big money, blah, blah, blah. And I said, hey, I'm done, man. Just let me know. I said, sure, we're going to do one next month. <laughs> and then this happened. No. And, um, well, that's good that you got work lined up. That seems pretty promising in the future, though, right? Uh, assuming that yeah, things go back to normal. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, this is like, it's getting a little old. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I, I got to agree with I you there. Today. Oh, did you? Yeah. Nice. How are you guys doing? How you guys doing now? We're doing okay. Um, cases are pretty high. Everybody's staying inside for the most part, but I mean, we're doing okay. I, I would assume California is worse. How are you guys doing? Well, you know, we were okay um, up until about Memorial Day mm-hmm. because, you know, the messages are so contradictory. And he who shall go nameless, who is in the White House at the moment, started doing that whole thing about reopen and you know basically we did the thing or california did of opening too soon right you know and um, that particular weekend it's like one entire county well i'm in la uh hollywood is in los angeles county the next county south of here is orange county and orange county historically is very republican very right wing and stuff and so they did that whole like we want to be free and whatever right we're not going to wear masks everybody went to the beach and all that kind of stuff and the rest of us were just shaking our hand going okay it's just a matter of time and sure enough you know now we're all screwed yep it's i mean it's it seems so to be the worst out. in florida you see miami beach lately a picture of miami beach 
That is insane. That is insane. Speaking speaking of uh, blood and blood out though with the cast with the cast for the people that are that are listening to this right now and that do not know the cast we have Jesse Borrego, Benjamin Bratt, we have Ving Ving Rhymes, we have uh, uh, Billy Bob Thornton's always kind of forgot when talking about the the cast. Uh, Danny Trejo is in the cast. Like this movie is like a star-studded cast. One of the one of the listeners wanted to ask, how was it working with with Danny? Did you get a lot of talking time with Danny? Are you friends with Danny outside of the film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Danny's a great guy. Danny, Danny is um, Danny's a great guy. I mean, you know, he's um, by the time he did that movie, he had kind of gotten his whole life his life sorted out. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't feel bad saying this because I'm not I'm not saying anything that he doesn't talk about. Right. You know, because he's also he, he's speaker. He does groups now. He does, you know, and, and he tells his story. And his story was, you know, it was pretty grim uh, when he was young. And he was, you know, doing the drugs and the booze and all that kind right. of stuff. He's the first one to talk about that. You know, and by the time, um, in fact, it's kind of an interesting story. The way he ever became an actor was because, you know, he got very involved in, in 12-step, you know, and stuff like that. And part of what you are asked to do as part of your own therapy is to help other people and to support other people, you know, carry the message. And Danny's story is that he went on a film set or another fellow, you know, who asked him, he said, you know, I'm feeling shaky, would you come with me and stuff? And said, sure, no problem. And he went as support for another person. So he turned around and at one point the director saw him and he because, you know, Danny has a really particular look. Absolutely, and yeah. Said, oh, yeah. I'm can you act? Can you, are you an actor? And he's like, I don't know. He's just looking. Say this. Mm-hmm. He gave him a couple of lines. And the guy says, okay, you're in the movie, man. And that's how Danny started. Right. You know? Right. By the time he did Blood In, Blood Out, that was like his third or fourth project or something. You know? And he's uh, obviously he's gone on since then. But he's still really down to earth. Really good guy. I run into him from time to time. I just saw him like two years ago at a film festival that we were both at. Same guy. Same right. Guy. That's yeah, good. Really, That's good. Really good. Really good person. Right. Yeah, yeah. He, he's good. He's good. Now, I don't want to take up too much of your time, so I do have some, some listener questions for you, and then, I, then I'll get you on your way. I do apologize. But question number no one was, how was it like working with – this is a fun fact for me because I didn't know that this was the case. How was, how was it like working with Keanu Reeves? Yeah, speed. Another guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Keanu is, is, is one of my favorite people. Mm. I mean, you know, I remember when, when I got that part and we started to work on that. There were all these, you know, people, people I really, really love Keanu or like to have this attitude about him and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I found him to be a really, really chill person. Nice, okay. You know, I mean, it's like, yeah, if anything, it's kind of shy. You know, mm-hmm. and it was like, you know, sometimes people mistake that because they go like, oh, this guy, he's stuck up. Or right. It's not. He's Absolutely. just a shy guy. Right. He's a very preserved kind of guy, you know. And it was really kind of cool because in that film, it was him and Sandra Bullock. Mm-hmm. And she's way the other way, you know. Right. She's, she's kind of the way you see her. She's all fun energy and fun and she 
always wants to play and tease and everything. And so it was cool because she would, they would balance each other, you know, because Keanu would be over there reading his little script or something. He was studying Shakespeare at the time that we were doing the show because he was getting ready to play Hamlet in oh, Canada. Nice. People nice. don't know this, but Keanu trained classical actor. People don't know that I'm a trained classical actor. I did after, I did after, I did this morning, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's weird to like end up, like he ends up as an action hero, I end up as Popeye, and it's like, ah, sorry, it's all good, it's all acting. But Keanu was good. I really, really, I have a special place for him. Good guy, down to earth. So, personal question, did you have to like, because that's not your voice, the voice as Popeye, like... Did you have to like really practice that voice over and over again, considering like you weren't an LA like have an LA background? Did you really have to like study the the gang culture and like how much how much preparation from when you accepted the movie role did you have to get like in that LA gang culture from where you were to when you started filming? Well, at the time I had been in I had been in LA that long. I'd been here like maybe couple of years or something right uh yeah because i came to la so i i came from new york mm-hmm. so by the time i hit la i was i was on new york you know what i'm saying right 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 <laughs> but but you know what this is where training comes in because you know that you you kind of learn to work on language you learn how to work on on accents and things like that right Plus, I have had this conversation with the writer, Jimmy Baca, the guy who actually wrote the movie and mm-hmm. the guy who actually wrote all those weird expressions like chom chom. Yep. And st- literally, when we were shooting the movie, this was all of us. Every now and then we'd be doing some scene and, and, and we have to go like that because Jimmy was there. And we go with Jimmy, Jimmy, what, what does this mean, man? Like, what is chom chom? <laughs> right. What are wolf tickets? What is all that, you know? Right. Because Jimmy also did hard Jimmy, Jimmy, and um, you know, uh, and uh, Danny, you know, they, they did they did some time, you know, mm-hmm. in there. So so it was authentic. Right. And then what I was saying to Jimmy is like the, the language that he wrote, because mm-hmm. that's part of like how I approach a role. It has to do with the. This, I look for the sound. I look for the language, and that that it comes from the writing, you know. And so you tune in to like what is the sound what does it sound like what is plus you know I've, I've always had an affinity for you know the Chicano culture the Latino culture um in fact the first person I thought about was Edward James Olmos right you know cause I had been a big fan of Zutsu you know do you mm-hmm. know Zutsu I'm familiar I'm familiar with what it is I'm not sure I, I know what the outfit looks like I haven't uh, seen the well, movie it, it's uh, the movie, there's a movie of it, which is okay. It's all right, but mm-hmm. where it really had a big impact was in the theater because that actually originally was a play, right? You know, it's a play about the Zoot Suit riots in LA in the '40s, and uh, the, like the narrator of the play is this character called Pachuco, you know, who is like the ultimate Zoot Suiter, you right. know, when he talks like that and hey, orale, and all this kind. So I was like, I had those sounds in my head, you know, and I sort of used that as a point of departure and then went into the script with that kind of rhythm and that kind of thing going on and that's how it came out nice okay so so real quick on the on the cast of blood and blood out i always related to minklo because i'm half mexican half white and every all the all the white people think i look mexican and all the mexican people think i look white 
So when I was trying to hang out with all the Mexicans, they were like, man, you're white. You're white. And you'd, you'd hear the, the comparisons to Minklo and Weddle. They'd be like, man, you, you remind me of Minklo. So, yeah, that was always funny to me. Um, question number two. How was it to be in the presence of Stephen Hawkins during the film Star Trek? Well, that was we were we were starstruck. I mean, you know, I remember I was working on on the on that episode, uh, Deep Space Nine, one of the Star Trek uh, franchises. Uh-huh. You know, and I had a big guest role, and I was working mostly with my buddy, who was a regular on the show. And we were shooting one day, everybody's doing their thing and everything, and then suddenly you hear this buzz, 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 and people are starting to move around there, and it became clear that somebody was coming. And, uh, and you usually think, like, oh, here come the suits. Right, <laughs> you know, right. Big bosses or something. And uh, so everybody was like, okay, everything stopped because they're coming. And then he comes, and it was him, and he's in his wheelchair and stuff, and everybody's like, oh. God, that's incredible. Because he he was the big fan of the whole franchise. Right. Apparently, he would drop in from time to time. So it was like it was like you know, literally, you don't know what to say, you mm-hmm. know, because you're like, oh my god, this guy, he's a genius. He's like, and here he is, you know. Right. And he came up to us, you know, in his wheelchair and stuff, and uh, so we were. It was, what could we say? Just like, oh man, it's an honor to have you here. And then, you know, he used to speak through his computer, you know, so it was like a little awkward because, you know, you say something to him and nothing happens. He's there and you're like, okay, what do I do now? And then after a few seconds, this voice, electronic voice would come up out of the chair because he had typed in or whatever into his computer. But that that was just a special moment. One of my favorite photographs that I How often? This is a funny one. How often do you get confused with Luis Gomez, Go- Guzman? Louis, a lot. A lot. Or not, you know that happens. That you know, and, and I'm like, when it's the first few times it happened, I'm like, what are you crazy? I mean, <laughs> well, how can you mistake us? You know, get us both mixed up. Right. People do. You know, and they come up to me, and it's like, you know, that's a funny relationship too, because Louis and I go. Way, way back, I think we kind of both started at the same time. And we first met working on a film in Australia. Okay. Crocodile Dundee 2. Wow. And uh, so we spent, yeah, yeah, that was a trip. It was a lot of fun, you know. And we uh, we worked again after that a couple of times, like on TV stuff and everything. But um, I love Louis. He's a funny guy. You know, but, but hey, Louis, oh, what I'm saying, man, you know, we got mm-hmm. this thing going. Right. Side, you know. People come up to me and they go, you're so good in that thing. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not me. That's yes, not me. Is. Yes, it is. Like, I would take it. I would okay, take all right. the credit back. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's what I do now. Yeah, you have to. Good. I'm glad you like him. Yeah. <laughs> Speak like for him. him. Yeah, that's what I do. Right. So this is my favorite question of all of them because this one shocked me beyond belief. Like I, I had to, I had to research the actual audio of it. I couldn't believe it. I was the hugest fan of San Andreas, and I didn't realize that you did the voice of the pedestrians on San Andreas Grand Theft Auto. 
That is the most yep. hilarious seven minutes of audio on YouTube <laughs> in my life. So you said give me some wax wax on the on the intro. You have one right. of the one of the lines where, hey, where do I get some whack whack? And like I heard it and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> Like that reminded me of what he just said. Yeah. You had you had said every uh, cuss word in Spanish on that. I mean, it was gold when I listened to it. I was like, "Oh my god, I have to ask about this." <laughs> How did you get into that lane? Uh, you know, I when you're an actor, you got to do all kinds of different things, you know, just to keep going, you know, and because mm-hmm. uh, the, the the big movies and the big film roles, you know, for some people are few and far between. You got to survive in between. And one of the things that I discovered early on, which really helped me a lot, was just doing voice work. You know, what they call voiceovers. Mm-hmm. You know, and because I'm bilingual, because I speak Spanish, and uh, and when I first um, started doing voice work, the, the whole Latino market was really just starting to catch on. Right. And they were starting to make a lot of commercials in Spanish and commercials directed at the thing. And so I fell into doing voiceover work. So I have a long, long history of that. Just commercials, you know, like right. I, okay, tonight, Sunday, Sundays, so all that shit is voiceover. Right. And there's a lot of work just for voice actors because once you start doing voice stuff, you're not just looking at commercials. You're looking also at animation, cartoons. Right. You know, that's a great gig. Doing Absolutely. Voices, uh, and, and, and and the games. You know, there's a lot of voice work for the games. Right. You know, but that's that's intense work because when you when you voice a game, you are in the booth for hours and hours and hours because you know because you, you know games give you choices. You know, do you go in the tunnel? Do you go in the cave? Do you do what? And so you have to create dialogue for all of those different situations. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you go that way to the left, uh, you're going to run into a different kind of situation. And you're gonna have to, your character is gonna have to say things in response to that. If you go the other way, it's a completely different scene. Mm-hmm. So when you do voices for games, it's 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 work. Right. It's hard work, and especially if it's like action kind of thing, where you go, no, over there, oh, run, you, run. you know. So your voice is like, it, it's a, it's uh, a tough day. I can imagine. Like I said, it was it was seven seven and a half minutes long of just random. Random Carlos lines. It was hilarious. On YouTube, you said. Yeah, oh yeah. I forward you the link. It's 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 gold. It's gold. I'd love to hear that. I yeah. Love to hear that. Yeah, I, I got yeah. you. Question on question on the chat. Hey Popeye, do you still have the red underwear? Not is that is that a movie scene that I'm missing? That's in the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't remember the red underwear? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's in the hotel. so many i thought it was the i thought it was the give me some chon chon line and then as i'm starting to watch your your, your the the clips on on youtube you know the hey cinderella go find you a fella there's too many then my brother starts texting me all his favorite lines and then i put like i said then i post on 
the actual page, what's your favorite quote? So I left it up for any cast member, and I, I'm, I kid you not, 75% were Popeye's lines, and I was like, oh yeah, this is great. That's, that's funny, yeah. No, I I did not expect that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't know that was going to happen. You know, and it's like, and I, I'm flattered, I'm honored, because I do hear that a lot, that people say, well, oh, you're my favorite character, and you know, I love you in the movie and everything, and I'm like, okay, thank you. I mean, you know, it's like, it's humbling. But right. I, 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 didn't, I didn't expect that. And, and another you know, another question that I have is, so you went from actor and you kind of, transitioned to producer and director now right with with 2020 being so like sensitive and you know you really having like to walk on eggshells with with you know like i don't i don't know if blood in blood out would 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 be okay in today's you know environment how, how do you as a producer and a director how, how does that make your job uh i know it makes it harder of course but is that something that you always keep on your mind at all times or something that you can't because again you want to be as authentic as possible so you kind of have to you know st- stick to the script like I-, I wanted to personally ask you like how does today's like environment today's culture really impact you on your your new role well I gotta tell you well there's kind of there, there's sort of two different stories uh, questions because on the one hand, just in terms of the blood in, blood out thing, I think that one of the things that that film has shown um, with the passage of time right. is really just what a strong, strong property it is. I mean, because I have to tell you, even looking at it now from uh, in 2020, I still think it's very relevant. And, and I don't, th- well, one of the things that we're all very sensitive nowadays is like the, the, the potential for being offensive. Right. Offensive there you go. Particular group right. Or something. And I think that what Blood and Blood Out managed to do was to really create, show that balance. Because um, Blood and Blood Out is not a gang movie. You know, it's it's not, that's like, yeah. you know, what you see, that that's the cover of the book. Right. You know, but really at its heart and its heart, which is why I think the movie has endured so long and continues to be is because it's really about things like family and about loyalty and about brotherly love and camaraderie and and absolutely absolutely and 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 culture yeah it really is about you know the the latino culture and it's real that culture that you see there and at this point i'm talking about the gangs i'm talking about you know the 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 family yeah right and and right color murals and the low riders and all that stuff that's all still here brother right and that's all still big and that's rich stuff right you know, it's, it's really a rich 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 culture and i think one of the things that that movie succeeded in doing was to really really take you into it and show you many many different aspects it's not just about the get and that that reality still exists today mm-hmm. in fact if anything else political thing that we're living through right now one of the things this pandemic is doing is revealing the inequities in our cultures Mm -hmm. and in our society the fact that it affects more brown and black people you know what does that mean you Mm -hmm. know i mean it means there's work to be done there's work to be done to raise up that community you know and get it on an equal par well that's all still there those people are still there those neighborhoods are still there right you know yes sir I, 
I would have no problem pitching that film today as is. You know? Right. Now, the other side of your question is like, what do I consider um, as a filmmaker? Um, yeah, as a, I, I've always believed that art does not exist in a vacuum. You know? And yes, so sir. when you set out to make art, to me, it's always important that the art reflect the culture, the times, what's going on. You know, I'm not interested in stuff that's just, uh, you know, for, for fun or crazy or whatever, you know. And the stuff that I tend to gravitate to, not only as a filmmaker, as a director, but even as a, as a producer, because what I do, my big gig nowadays is that I produce a film festival. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm going into my sixth year wow. of producing a film festival. Coming up this year, it's coming up in October, and it's going to be online because what are we going to do, you know? So yep. it's going to, you, you should uh, stay tuned or maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I'll hit you up for some promos or something. Like anytime, Cause, anytime. Uh, yeah, because, you know, you're going to be able to watch it uh, in San Antonio because we're going to be on Facebook Live. You anytime, know? yes, sir. It's be great. And my film festival is focused on the same thing, on the Latino culture and Latino arts. Mm-hmm. And, and showing showing what is going on, reflecting what is going on in our culture and with our people, right. you know. And that can take the what's great about film festival is that you can explore those themes from all kinds of different angles, you know, from the high to the low to the whatever to mm-hmm. to the satire to even animations and stuff. So uh, that's and it's interesting to me because when I get the submissions for the festival. They're always reflective of what is happening in this moment. You know, in the right. last couple of years, I've gotten a lot of immigration films, you know, because that's what was going on, and people were concerned with the border and the things and, and what the president is doing. So there's lots and lots of films coming out about immigration. I'm looking forward to this year's submissions, which we're open for submissions right now, till the right. end of this month. And, uh, you know, I'm interested because people are already starting to release short films about the pandemic mm-hmm. and what it's like to live in this moment and in this reality, you know. So I'm always looking for stuff like that, you know. Now I am conscious in the things that I choose, right? Both to make and right. to bring to that whole issue that you're talking about about us cultural awareness, cultural sensitivity, right. you know, to the way things are portrayed, to the way things are shown. And actually, now I'm in a position to make those choices. You yes. Know, as in, because when you're an actor, you, you're not in control. Right. You know, you're not the writer, you're not the director, you're not, you know, but when, when you switch hats, which is one of the parts of the reasons why I did it, right. so then you have more power, you have more control, and you can choose what to say and what to show. Right. So I can send you stuff about my festival. And speaking about that, um, another question was, tell me about your experiences directing a short film of two Chicano generations, art galleries in back alleys.
celebration of Latino and Chicano culture is, is based there. Uh-huh. And uh, there, is, there is an organization there called Self-Help Graphics, which was started about 40-some years ago by a Catholic nun. And basically what it is is an artist's collective. You know, it's like a co-op for visual artists, sculptors, um, um, what do you call it when they do the um, uh, silk screen, you know, and stuff like that. Okay. And, uh, and she started it as a way of providing kids with an alternative to being in the streets, running around in gangs. Right. And so basically what Self-Help Graphic does is that they have artists in residence who bring in the kids and they teach them these crafts, you know, mm-hmm. printmaking and sculpting, painting. I have a good friend down there who does, it's not graffiti, it's not called graffiti anymore, it's called aerosol art. Oh, look it's at that. File one. He's a talented guy, you know. So what this, this film they're talking about was a documentary that was made, we made it about six years ago, when somebody donated a car to them, you uh-huh. know, to this Lexus. They had this little car that they were going to get rid of, you know, because they had used it uh, for auto shows and things like that. And I did not know this, but auto companies, like, they just pull a car out of the line. They use it for these things. And when they're done with it, they just crush it, you know, because it's not street legal. Right. Yeah. Because they, they pulled it out of the line, it doesn't have a VIN number, it doesn't have anything, so they use it, they make commercials with it, whatever, they go to the auto shows, and when they're done, they crush it. Yes, sir. So this was about to happen to this car, and one of the people from the Lexus uh, account, uh, the ad agency, said, why don't you instead donate it to a charity so they can use it as a fundraiser for, for their cause? So they gave this little car to Self-Help Graphics, mm-hmm. who were in the middle of a big fundraising drive. And what Self-Help Graphics did was that they picked two of their artists and said, okay, turn this car into a piece of art, you know. And that's what they did. And then I got hired to film the whole thing and put it together and make a documentary of it, which I believe is on YouTube. It's called uh, Art Galleries, Back Alleys and Art Galleries. And... Um, Basically, they put two artists on it, you know, one like old school and one newer school. The new school was Vile One, this graffiti guy, and, uh, and Patsy Valdez, who's a really great, uh, very established um, artist. Mm-hmm. And the two of them went to work on this car, and um, me and my crew shot it. And then we put it together and, uh, and made a, a documentary about it. Right. But I have other short films that are like on the festival circuit. Um, I was traveling with a film last last couple of years, a film called One, which was about the police shootings, you know, when the police pull over, like the black guys in the right. car, and the whole thing escalates, and next, you know, somebody gets shot and whatever. Yep. So we have that film. Um, in fact, that film was written by somebody that I work with a lot these days who is a San Antonio native an actor-writer called Manu Rey. And he's from San Antonio. Hmm. He got here a few years ago. And, uh, you know, so we became, we got part of, part, he's part of my team now. Right. And we've done like, three of his scripts so far. That was one. And 
just now we're just finishing we just finished post-production on a new short called disarm which is about the school shootings Mm -hmm. you know and and so we're just getting ready to to put that out for festivals um when's the release date on that well it's going on this festival circuit which means that we we're going to start submitting it okay you know to festivals and then you know the, the way the festival thing usually works is that you know you put your there are certain platforms that were uh work as showcases for films that are right. looking for festivals and stuff and you upload to those platforms and you submit to different films and then you hope that they contact you and um and then you could be part of their festival. So we're just, just like the last one, that, that last one I was talking about, uh, one is the name of it, about the cop shootings and stuff like that. We got into like 15 festivals with that. Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And we picked up a few awards. We nice. picked up a few awards. Uh, Congrats. You know, we got a best written and stuff like that. What would you say uh, is so your biggest uh, say, accomplishment? Mine? Yeah, like personally, what Me like? Personally? Yeah, is it Popeye? Like looking back uh, at your entire career, what's that one? What that one thing that you're like? You know what? That's that's what done it for me. Honestly, I I would say that having had the career, really, because right. like, as a I'm whole, at a certain point now, I I I, I am at a certain age, you know. We're actually kicked back, you know, because I got to the point, because, you know, this is all union work. I belong to a union. We all have our union and so forth and so on. I'm a union guy because there are certain benefits that come from that, such as health care, health coverage and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, Because these things are important. And pensions. Right. You know, that's one of the things about being in a union. Yes, sir. Exactly. I... and, but in order to qualify for those things, you have to be at a certain earning level, you know, consistently, you know, and every year that you earn X amount of dollars counts towards your pension and whatever. Right. And then, and you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, and a lot of people don't last in the industry. You know, they, they do, they put in five years, they put in 10 years, and they're like, oh, okay, that's it, I gotta go do something else. Right. So for me, really, personally, frankly, what I consider my biggest accomplishment is that I had a career. Absolutely. And I made it all the way. Yes, sir. To, like, you know, to, to pension. I mean, it's like, you know, yes. I, I, I won the lottery, man. Yes, I sir. made it. Yes, I, I never did anything else but this. And now I'm in a place where, like, I don't have to worry anymore. You know? So I, I look at the, the whole thing. Right. No one particular thing is like okay, that was the one. You know, I every project is different. Well, you definitely get noticed most for for the Popeye role, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd assume that for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be on my gravestone. And and, and, and if you're ever looking for an extra in a movie or or a lead actor, I'm not limiting myself. Here I am. We we've man we've uh me and my co-host we've had you know five six years in theater arts and we did all the the plays and like just random improv and all this stuff and uh, I'm not too sure if you for, if you're familiar with them but a guy named J J 
J.T. Campos. He plays Boaz in uh, The Queen of the South that's on Netflix. Yeah. And I, I've became yeah. pretty good friends with him. And um, I, I, I let him know all the time, man. Let me know if there's an extra role. Let me know. He was filming in New Orleans. I was like, I'll take the drive. I'll take the drive. Let me know. So I'll tell you the same. Okay. okay. I, I'm, I'm up for okay. it. Like I said, I, I don't know. Okay, cool. I don't know, but we'll, we'll make it happen for sure. Well, like I said, I got connections in San Antonio. Yeah. So you never know. Hey, like you I said, my... Absolutely. You know, because they were, they were covering Texas, man. They did a whole bunch of... Texas is a big place. Right. So this promoter, that was part of the plan that in 2020, we were going to go back all over Texas and, and do these appearances. Right. But we'll see. Yeah, well, I, I don't want to talk your yeah. ear off. Like I said, we have so much to talk about. But um, I appreciate you being on the podcast for sure. Like I said, I'm a huge fan, so it was a no-brainer to reach out to you for you to be on. Um, let me know if you're in San Antonio, if you're in the surrounding areas of San Antonio. Let me know about your film festival, the Facebook Live. I can help out any way that I can. And, uh, again, thank you for everything, and we'll keep in touch, okay? All right, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. Have a good thank day. Thank you for reaching out. Yes, sir. Can we get one Chon Chon line? Can we get the Chon Chon line one, one time? All right, man. All right. You know, just to get you to leave me alone, give me some Chon. Chain, brother. Yes, sir. Let me come over there. It's that wax chain. <laughs> it's the Wax Wednesday chain. Wax, wax, wax. Wax, wax, wax. I appreciate the, everything, hey, man. Thank you. Send me that YouTube link. I will. I'm on it right now. It, right, it's gold. It is gold. I'm telling you, it's going to make your entire night. Okay, all right. All right, buddy. Yeah, hey, you too. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is my guy. Man, somebody said in the chat, man, he is humble as can be, man. He's a good guy to talk to. And again, Blood and Blood Out is one of my favorite movies of all time. And uh, he was definitely one of my favorites. You know, you, ha- you have to like Jesse Borrego because he's from San Antonio. So uh, as a homer, you got to like Jesse Borrego. I told you I'm half Mexican, half white. So I always kind of felt, you know, uh, I always kind of related to, to Minklo. But I mean, come on, Popeye. Bye-bye. He's always one of my favorites, man. So I had to get him on the podcast. If you haven't followed the podcast, definitely follow on Wax the Podcast. We get guests every Wednesday. Or, you know, we at least try to drop every Wednesday. Sabrina, thank you for looking out. Uh, guys, thank you for everything. And uh, we'll see we see you guys soon on Wax. Let's go. Didn't want my phone to die. My my laptop's about to die too. Can you charge it for me? Can you bring it back over there and charge it for me?